Hi and welcome to the St Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. But yeah, so we're on the parables and these are stories, pictures, metaphors that Jesus used to teach about what God is like and what his kingdom is like. But the parables are another example of where we need to be ready for God to do the unexpected. I'm looking at everyone. Does everyone look really expected, ready for God's unexpected things this morning? Because Jesus didn't turn up as the expected Messiah. He wasn't born to nobility or power or wealth, ready to throw off the oppressive Roman regime. He was born into poverty. He was born into scandal. He lived as a refugee. He worked as a carpenter. And he gathered a motley crew of 12 followers and many more, mixed with the rich and poor, leaders, though, leaders and those that society have forgotten. And he shared God's love in how he taught, in how he lived, in how he died. He also spoke truth to power and challenged people's assumptions about who God is and what his kingdom is life. And we see this especially in the parable. So we need to come with that heart of expectation and openness of like, come on God, what is it that you want to speak to us about this morning? We need to be prepared for God to surprise us, to challenge us as we see more of who he is and what he cares about. We need to wrestle with the meanings. We need to engage our head and our hearts. And mostly we need to say, come Holy Spirit, would you guide us? So we're just going to do that now. Um, Yeah, Lord, we just ask that you would come. We want to open our hearts to you completely this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you prompt us? Would you challenge us? Would you excite us? Would you heal us? We, are, we want to be completely open to whatever you have to say and whatever you want to do in this time. Amen. All right, so second slide, see if this works. Ah, oh, no. No, I haven't turned it on. That could be, that could be the, uh, the main issue here. Here we go. No, still not working. Oh, well, next slide, please. <laughs> There we are. Yes, like Chris Whitty. Thanks, Matt. Um, okay, so this is our passage for today. Nice and short. I'm just going to read it to us now. The top line, the first seven words are kind of the key. And then it, Jesus then explains something of what he means by that when he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it underneath a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Then they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So why are these top seven words, you are the light of the world, so important? And I think it's because they tell us something not only of our identity, but also of our purpose. These seven words say to us, your identity is that you are light, and your purpose is to be that light in the world, and especially when places are darkest. But sometimes we can let people and culture and advertising and even just negative narratives that we can live in our minds from the bruises of life tell us something entirely different. We can end up getting our identity from all sorts of different things, often from what we do, Um, I am, and I do lots of different things. I'm a priest. 
I'm a mum, which seems to cover all sorts of different roles, cook, taxi driver, cleaner, sounding board, bank, laundrette, nurse, um, and lots of other much more fun things. <laughs> yes, this is not mostly for Olivia, actually, it's for her younger brothers. But um, I'm also um, chief hugger at the door. I've now become an Arsenal and a Formula One fan that I never expected. And um, I'm also wife, sister, grand, friend, grandchild. But when I turned 40, um, something else I was told that I was. Several emails dressed up as deep concern that I was now in midlife, nearing menopause, um, popped into my inbox that week. What a joy. They told me I needed to look after my health now because basically everything was going to go downhill from now onwards. And actually, when I read for the lines, it's just advertising, gym membership, supplements, books I need to read. No idea how they got my email address. I unsubscribed from everything. Felt a little bit angry. <laughs> but we have to be careful that all the different things that go on in our lives and all the different things that we do and all the different things that we read and that we hear about, that they don't define who we are. Our true identity, each of your true identities, is that you are a child of God. And because you're filled with his Holy Spirit, you carry his light. So our identity and our purpose is intertwined with Jesus. We are God's light. And our role is to simply let him shine out of us. And we all know that light is incredibly important to us as humans. We need light to see. But often um, nowadays we can really take, sort of almost like take for granted the light that we have. When things get a bit dark, we just flick a switch and we just crack on with whatever we're doing, even when it's the middle of the night or just, you know, getting darker with winter. When Jesus said these words, this is the kind of light they used to. Oh, no, still not working. Ah, here we are, look at that. This um, went as darkness fell in the times when Jesus was talking these words, all work stopped. So your kind of life rhythm basically was revolved around how much light there was in the day. That was when you could get things done. And if not, you, you lit a lamp, a bit like this, and you would put it in the middle of the room because that's the best way for it to share the light out. But to be honest, even these lights were quite, the, you know, they, they did an amazing job, but it wasn't like the way that we can just turn on all the lights in our houses. So they really understood this idea of dark and lightness and where you would put a lamp, and that's the verses that we're looking at. And, and I noticed this as I was um, driving back. I'm a slightly nervous driver, driving back from Devon, New Year, realised we didn't surf off in time to drive in the night, starts to get dark, tiny winding roads, loads of other people coming the other way who knew all the winding roads and were like kind of cutting very close to the car. I'm there absolutely terrified and just totally dependent on the headlights of my car in order not to go off the road or smash into somebody else. Because, you know, when we walk around London, even just outside my street, I, I, put, I, have blind, I pull the blinds down because it's just lights all the way along the road, which I'm very happy about because it actually reduces the crime on my road. But we, we're so used to the lights that we have that we can just turn on that we're used to. Um, we almost like we don't know how to function in the darkness. So we need light to know what's going on so we can help ourselves, we can do things practically. We also need light to see beauty in the world around us. It's actually the light that allows us to see colours. As it gets dark, you'll notice that the, um, the colours change from things and we start to see things in white and in grey and in black. And we're drawn to light. 
As we're coming out of winter, I definitely am enjoying it being much lighter. I'm a morning runner, so I'm like, yes, it's, it's getting light now much earlier. I don't need to run in the dark. And that moment when you're coming home from work and it still feels a tiny bit light, hallelujah. And, and I don't know if anyone else says this, you cross over to like, it's really sunny and you're like, I'm going to cross to that side of the road, even though I actually need to go here because there's the sunshine. I want to feel that warmth on my skin. And our body does actually physically need light. Um, the 90%, I just geeked out on this slightly earlier this week, of the vitamin D that our body needs comes from our skin being exposed to sunlight. If we don't have enough of, of it, it can affect our bones, our skin, our sleep. We can have fatigue, achiness, and depression. And um, I don't know if anyone else did this in school. The crest or the board bean experiment, where you get the little seeds and you put them in various different circumstances, whether or not they've got lighter, water or light, all this sort of thing. Either way, this was my best uh, picture I could come up with. You can see the one on the, the left, it's like, it's without light. They've actually grown quite tall. So on one hand, you might be like, oh, those, those plants are growing. They look a little bit weedy. If I was having a crest sandwich, I know which one I would be choosing. <laughs> So actually, while, while plants can grow in the dark, they don't flourish very well in the dark. What they really need is the light. Um, you can geek out on photosynthesis later if you'd like to find out more about that. We're doing a bit of that in our house at the moment. But light doesn't just provide what we need. It also provides comfort and even safety. Often children talk about being scared of the dark, but if we're honest as adults, we don't massively relish walking around certain places in the pitch black. Crimes are often done in the cover of darkness. Light brings safety, exposes evil, extinguishes darkness. The idiom bringing something to light isn't just about showing something good, it's often about when darkness and evil, even abuse, is uncovered. And it's interesting, even people who don't usually come to church are drawn into churches to light a candle. Um, if you ever go into like a big church or a big cathedral that have their doors open, you'll just see racks and racks of candles. It's particularly gigging in the Catholic church, but even a lot of cathedrals where people come in and they want to light a candle. I was chatting to a friend who's a priest in Exmouth Market, which is a big place, where, um, an angel where you can go and like, eat it out and have drinks and stuff. But what they've been doing is opening the church on Saturday evenings. And loads of people who wouldn't usually come into church have been coming in to light a candle. And I think that's because light brings comfort and hope, but actually our framing reference for physical and spiritual light is God. The first thing God creates is light. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. When Jesus was prophesied about in the Old Testament, Isaiah, you might remember this from some of our Christmas services, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in darkness, a light has dawned. In fact, the whole of the Gospel of John has this theme of light and life, and that's who Jesus is. And it starts out with describing Jesus by saying, in him was life. In that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And Jesus himself in John explained, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So there is this inextricable link between light and life in God. Jesus came as that light to give us abundant life, to show us the way, to bring us comfort in dark moments, to reveal beauty, 
to bring us that abundant life now and ultimately eternal life with God. Jesus then commissions us in this passage and says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine so people will glorify God. God is light and life. Jesus came as light and life and he reminds and calls us in these words that we too carry his light. But it's not a striving. Jesus said at the bottom, you'll notice it says, let your light shine. Was that me? Okay, well, good. Um, Sorry about that, folks. Um, And then he goes on to sort of explain something about this light thing. And he says, you're a city on a hill. And I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where you've... For me in particular, I think about like, um, the times I've driven through France and you'll be driving through this really flat landscape and then you'll see this kind of mountain or hill come up in front and you'll see the town and the hill so obviously, particularly if you're driving in light and they've got all the lights on in the town. Towns on hills, you cannot physically hide them. They don't need to do anything. They are in their nature visible. And again, with a light... You can, that little lamp that I was saying, you, you can hide them under a bowl, but, but why would you do that? Why would you light a lamp and then put it under a bowl so it can't light the room up? You put it on a stand and you give light to the house, and this is what Jesus is talking about here. But he's not saying to each of us, you need to be better, shinier, happier. It's not putting ourselves out there. It's not just constantly doing things for God so people think that we're amazing. The pressure is off us. We're shining God's light. And that we're being open with our lives so that others will glorify the Father in heaven. Because he's the source of light in us. And I think for me, the challenge has been this week as I've been thinking about this, is just being, literally just being a bit more open about who we are and what, what God's doing in our lives. And that this moment that we have as church family or in you know, your quiet times or your dwell groups or your hub groups or the different things that you feel like, is, is that open with the rest of your life? How does, how does that integrate it? I have a really interesting one um, when people are like, when I'm wearing a dog collar or when people find out I'm a priest, um, there's always a little bit of interest because there's not loads of, I use the word young kind of vaguely, but younger women clergy. So there's always like, a, oh, really? This is what you do? And so you can always say, for me, that's like quite an easy way in. It is, but there's always two choices I have and people kind of go, and someone asked me this just, just this week, you know, why, why do you do this? So I just lost my place, here we are. And... Um, yeah, so there's, there's kind of two answers that I can give. And one is like, ah, oh, you know, I used to be a speech and language therapist. I've been at stay at home from um, mum for a while, and I felt God was like calling me to work in the church. All did and done. Great. All fine. Kind of got a little bit of calling in there, reference church and God. All good. Or the truth of it is, and this was incredibly vulnerable, is basically just to say, you know what? I just believe that God made every person precious, and he created them to be in relationship with him. And I just want to spend my life doing that. And that's not to say you can't do that outside of ministry, but that for me was part of my calling. And then there's always an awkward moment. People go, oh, <laughs> great, and move on. Or they ask a deeper question. But that does feel more vulnerable to me. And I think we always, even just like, you know, people say, what did you do at the weekend? Are we sharing about church? What are you doing midweek? Do we share about what we're doing? Do we share about, when we have those deeper, meaningful conversations that happen, usually right at the end of an evening, um, sometimes when we've had a few drinks and people kind of ask those deep questions, do we share, you know what, Jesus is everything to me. 
Jesus is the reason that I live. Jesus is, um, I pray for you. I don't know, how open are we? That was for me, that was the challenge for me, for me this week. And I think also, again, I just can't help myself, massive plug for Alpha. We've run an amazing Alpha course every single term. We have like amazing people who run it. We have beautiful food. The talks are brilliant. I give one of them. And, um, but no, seriously, it is just a really easy way to say to people, you know, when we're sharing our faith, just be like, you know what, we have an Alpha course. It's literally just for you to do. And that's one way that we can just say, do you want to know about the light? Do you want to know? Um, but it's also good to ask the question, what if we're not feeling like the light we have light in us, like things feel light right now? What if it feels really dark where we are right now? And this is um, where we can bring our most sad, broken, imperfect things of our lives and pray, Lord, let your light shine here. When we feel sad, when we feel anxious, when we read the news, when we get a piece of bad news from a family or friend, Lord, let your light shine here. Jesus sits with us in those places of darkness. He wept outside the tomb when his good friend Lazarus died. He wept and he wrestled with God on his knees in the garden of Gethsemane. He cried out to God in the torture, in the shame, in the loneliness of the cross. God, why have you forsaken me? He sits with us in those moments. He lived and he suffered as a human and he gently comes alongside us and comforts us if we ask him to. And but then in the run of the season that we're in now, this run up to Easter, we're remembering not only his death, but also his resurrection. And this foretaste of the kingdom of God, when it comes in all its fullness, when all things will be made new, when there will be no more sickness, tears, pain, or darkness in this world. And sharing God's light, I think Matt references this helpfully or earlier already, is sometimes just being ourselves, offering the little light that we have to others, and God will work in and through us in amazing ways. The feeding of the 5,000, best picture of this ever. You know, Jesus says to the disciples, what are we going to do? We've got like thousands of people, they're all starving, we can't get them all lunch, and the little boy offers his packed lunch, and God does something miraculous through that. God is the same then, today, and tomorrow. And I love what Paul says um, when he talks about this. Um, I'm hoping that's not quite as small for everyone else as it is for me. Okay, hopefully you can read it. I'm just going to read this out. So for any of us, and we have those moments where we're like, ah, I'm not feeling like I can do all these things. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just beautiful. When um, he talks about the, the struggles of life, and he also talks about what it looks like to share light. Um, it's from 2 Corinthians. He writes this, the church in Corinth. Our message isn't about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers, running errands for Jesus. God said, light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with his light. And we saw and we understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. But if you only look at us, you might miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unordained clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles. Paul is real about the stuff of life, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. 
Each of us are those jars of clay. We are holding a treasure, his message, his light. We are all light in the very specific circumstances that God has placed us in. And I know I've quoted this before, but I love this. I cannot resist it. God sends each person into this world with a special message to deliver, with a special song to sing for others, with a special act of love to bestow. No one else can speak your message or sing your song or offer your act of love. These are entrusted only to you. And when we say yes to God and we allow his light and his life to fill us and share that with others, we get to see the privilege of his kingdom breaking in. A few weeks ago, um, when um, one of the childminders that comes to Sound Explorers and um, was hanging around at the back afterwards and kind of chatting to, um, to me and to Christine, and she, her expression was, it feels different here from the other groups that I go to. And Harriet, who's um, rocking her little one at the back, leads an amazing music group. And she loves the adults and the kids. I did, tell, I did ask her before I embarrassed her. <laughs> she loves the kids and the adults so well. She remembers all the kids' names. I don't know how she does that. And we open up the church as a warm and a bright space to enjoy. And we serve coffee and fruit and biscuits for adults and kids and come. We don't charge people what is not to like. But as I was explaining to the woman who said, why does it feel different? It's because God's spirit is here. Because we're offering something other than just a great music class or a stay and play. That by his spirit, we're offering something, in however perfectly we're doing it, of his welcome, of his hospitality, of his love, and of his light. And as we're getting fuller and fuller in this playgroup, and we're starting to see parents and childminders come to other things at St. Saviour's and opening up about what's going on for them in their lives, and people being open to being prayed for and seeing answers to prayer, and feeling that church is a place for love and welcome, we're ushering in that light. And we see this in the church family too. We see God's kingdom of light breaking through. We saw those beautiful testimonies last week and that Hannah and Jackie and Bosse and Mary shared of healing, of colleagues coming to Jesus, of being loved and cared for in the ups and downs of life by the church family.